Hello, and welcome to the AI Spectrum Podcast. I'm your host, Spencer Kane. In this series, we talk to experts all across Siemens about a wide range of AI topics and how they are applied to different technologies. Today, I am joined by Amit Gupta, founder and president of Slido Design and Automation before its acquisition by Siemens EDA in 2017. Amit continues to work for Siemens EDA, leading the growth of Slido's machine learning enabled capabilities. Welcome, Amit. Thank you. So before we jump into this, can you tell us a little bit about your background and your entrepreneurial work as well as your current role at Siemens EDA? Sure, yeah. So I've been in the EDA industry, uh, so developing software for the automation of semiconductor design for the last 20 years or so. Um, I had a startup called Analog Design Automation uh, that got acquired in 2004. And then uh, Salido Design Automation, I started in 2005, uh, really focused on using uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence algorithms to improve the power performance and area of electronic chips. Uh, so started the company in 2005, uh, really did a lot of R&D, focused on developing patents and then rolling it out to industry. And uh, we had a lot of success and Siemens acquired the company in 2017. So now I'm general manager of the Salido products uh, inside of Siemens. And we're um, with the Siemens reach, we're now developing and releasing it out to you know a lot more customers in the last four or five years. So really enjoying that role. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you've had a pretty exciting career up till now. And um, could you tell me about you, know, you mentioned Salido, which is what you're currently working on. Could you tell me more about that, especially you know, how you guys are using AI or machine learning in that? The focus that we have is for uh, specific types of circuits that are done in semiconductor design. So things like the memory blocks within a semiconductor chip or the analog blocks or the, the standard cell library blocks. What we do with our machine learning um, tools is enable our customers who are the designers at the semiconductor companies enable them to get much, much more coverage of their design. So being able to measure the performance of their design, measure the, the power that their design is consuming, be able to get a lot more coverage of that design in much fewer simulations than when, what would be required otherwise. So we're able to, for example, uh, if they want to verify uh, their design to Six Sigma to make sure that there's a, a, only a one in a billion failure rate, uh, what would traditionally take six or seven billion simulation, which is would take weeks or months to do, that's not even a, a, a realistic thing to do, uh, with using our software uh, with our machine learning technology, they're able to get that same level of coverage in only a few thousand simulations. So reducing from billions to thousands of simulations. And what, what that means for designers as a result is that they are able to get the optimal power performance area and yield for their designs. They're not over-designing, so leaving a bunch of power performance area on the table. And they're not under-designing, so leaving a bunch of yield on the table, but they're getting the full coverage of their design. So huge value from uh, the machine learning uh, algorithms that we've developed uh, in our software. Okay. I mean, that sounds absolutely kind of incredible, really. To, you're taking literally hundreds of, like, not hundreds of orders of magnitude, but a hundred times faster or more, like hundreds or thousands of times to, to do these simulations. And like, 
how how are you able to achieve that kind of like reduction going you know from billions of simulations down to what you said like thousands billions to thousands so it's like a you know million x reduction in uh, in uh, in yeah number of simulations and the way we do that really is utilizing the power of machine learning where uh, the software automatically uh, runs a certain number of simulations um, to to get its training data and then the training data is used to build machine learning models and then these machine learning models are able to predict how the design will do at the extreme conditions. So how will it do at, uh, you know, that six sigma condition, that one in a billion uh, level condition um, using these machine learning models that were built on this, on this training data. So that's really, you know, the magic of using machine learning as opposed to not machine learning. You're doing it in a very brute force way using Monte Carlo analysis and brute force running those, billion simulations to see how things are performing. And as a result of that, there's a lot of wasted simulation. You're not taking advantage of learning from the simulations that, that you've done to in order to inform and guide what the next simulations should be so that you can minimize the number of total simulations that you're doing. So that's that's really the, uh, the value and the power of machine learning. I, I see. So it sounds like you're you're actually you're really bringing like the learning into this the like the machine learning aspect so that you're not wasting a lot of the the effort you would be putting into this just doing it manually exactly so manually you're just you're there's no learning involved you're just brute force doing everything uh, as opposed to our software which is learning from each simulation so it can intelligently do the next simulation build up that machine learning model and do it and as a result be able to complete complete the entire run in that few thousand simulations as opposed to the the few billion simulations. Well, that sounds like it would be just a hugely beneficial, and um, especially now with how big modern chips are getting. Like, would that, like, how does this technology extend to that? I mean, I know you've been working on it for a long time. So, how is it handling like modern chips? You know, billions or tens of billions of transistors, even. So what, what's happening in, in the chip design world is there's Moore's Law, um, where uh, every, every 18 months or so, the size of the transistors shrink by a half, uh, by, by 50%. So uh, as a result, what happens is because of that shrinking of the transistors, the amount of variability in, in how those transistors actually perform when they are manufactured uh, it goes up and up. So, for example, when we first started the Salido uh, uh, as a standalone company in uh, 2005, designers were designing at uh, 130 nanometer transistor sizes or or 90 nanometer transistor uh, sizes. Uh, today, the the transistor sizes are down to to seven nanometers, five nanometers, and three nanometers. So, all these most advanced chips the transistor sizes have gone down dramatically. Um, so as a result, uh, having those chips work is becoming more and more of a challenge. So there needs to be more and more of the simulation coverage um, at the transistor level to make sure that the designs are working. And that's, so, so the value of our software, um, you know, is increasing. I, I saw, you know, publicly in, a, in, a, in an article uh, yesterday that, a, a, a three nanometer wafer from uh, 
from a foundry now, it's costing about $20,000. So, so getting, getting the most power performance uh, area and yield from those, from that $20,000 wafer uh, at, at five or three nanometers is, is really, uh, really, really important. Yeah, I'll bet. Getting that, like, how do you, I can't even begin to conceive of how you'd handle, like, looking at analyzing chips, something that small, like nanometers like that, with billions of them. It's just incredible. What actually um, kind of lends itself to machine learning is because when you have, you know, such large circuit sizes um, with a lot of transistors, and each transistor has, could have seven or eight or nine different variables. So, uh, you know, say eight variables per transistor times even millions of uh, millions of transistors. You're talking about you know eight million, tens of millions of combinations. So as a result of that, there's a lot of data. So so it really lends itself to to artificial intelligence, where we can produce a lot of data to train these models to be able to do uh, prediction on how the the circuit will be performing at these uh, these extreme conditions. So, so, so the fact that you know the the the, the problem size is so large uh, res- creates the fact that there's these large data sets that allows us to mine these data sets and produce this this kind of uh, this useful information and this useful prediction to designers. So it almost sounds like. AI and ML was just kind of a, a natural step forward for the for you guys because you have such a, a naturally data rich um, problems or environment you're working in. Exactly, and that's kind of what uh, steered that steered us towards that area back in 2005 when um, you know there wasn't a lot of public buzz or talk about machine learning at the time. It was there was a lot of work in research still. But but not a lot of discussion in industry about it. So I think we were really one of the first uh, EDA companies that looked at how how can we apply machine learning to the semiconductor design space. And we saw, you know, it's a really, uh, you know, the problem domain is really conducive to uh, to machine learning. There's a lot of acceleration that can be done beyond some of the traditional brute force force methods that were. Were, were being done uh, previous to, to us coming into the industry. So that's why, you know, we thought machine learning plus semiconductor design, you know, it's a great fit and uh, we've proven that out. It sounds like you're wildly successful with these sort of tools and uh, for many companies in a lot of industries. And um, even though you were definitely one of the earliest adopters, like all the way back in, what, 2005, I think you said, you were already using this sort of AI and ML technology when I... I don't even think a lot of other industries were considering it at that point. And, but like you also said that um, like these wafers are extremely expensive and these processes are very expensive. So was there, like, was there some difficulty in getting adoption of this sort of you know, new, unproven technology in such an expensive and like potentially risky area where you could really be, stand to lose a lot of money if you did it wrong? You're exactly right. Uh, what I think is unique about um, applying machine learning for engineering applications in general, not just for semiconductor design, but for engineering applications is, you know, you don't want the chip to fail. You don't want the bridge to fall down. Um, so you, you have to do much, much better than, than guessing or, you know, having plus or minus 10% uh, 
uh, error. You need to do much, much better than that. So what we've really done is, is develop our own algorithms that are brute force accurate. So having that brute force level of accuracy is, uh, is extremely important for engineering applications given, uh, given the nature of the domain and given the fact that designers and companies are signing off on, these, on the results of these tools. So we needed to, to make sure that the algorithms are robust to you know, a variety of corner conditions. So it's, it wasn't just a, you know, a few month or a one year project. This was a multi-year investment that we, we put in to, um, to make sure that the algorithms uh, are accurate across all the different uh, process conditions and, and transistor sizes and so on. Um, the other part of it too is uh, the algorithms needed to uh, give visibility to the designers as to the fact that it was converging that that it is converging on a solution, and the results are correct, so that designers can uh, are seeing. You know, it's not a black box where they put in some data and something gets spit out, but they can see the algorithms working and they can see it converging on solutions and why it's coming up with the results that it is. So it really builds trust among the designers as to why the tool is producing the results it does. And then designers can stand up and design reviews and defend the results that are, that are provided. Um, the other thing that we really focused on is, is the user experience and the user interface in the tools. We didn't want um, designers to have to become machine learning experts. Uh, they, you know, they know design well, and we had to make sure that the user interface is such that it's all within the design domain, but, but the algorithmic details are all taken care of automatically under the hood and not, uh, not exposed to the, to the designers, um, unless they're, unless they're power users. So there was a lot of those kind of considerations in terms of accuracy of the results, uh, verifiability of the results, um, usability of the results. So beyond, beyond, you know, speed up where we need to provide a, uh, at least a 10 X improvement in, in, uh, in speed or accuracy of what they were doing, uh, doing without our software. Um, we needed to, to have that, that accuracy, verifiability and usability type attributes in the software. So that took a, you know, that took quite a while to, to build out several years. Um, but now we're at the point where we have thousands of users um, using our software around the world. Uh, most of the top semiconductor companies and foundries and system companies all use our software in their sign-off flow, and it's all very well trusted. But it was definitely a journey, uh, a journey to to get it to this level of maturity, such that it's it's trusted by by uh, by the mainstream by the mainstream market. I mean, I can imagine. I've had the opportunity to speak with some uh, experts from over from NX and the Sim Center side of things, and I know that they've been struggling with this as well, getting the building that user trust in the results and letting them see that the data that what the machine learning algorithms are spitting out is accurate to what they need and safe enough to use. But it sounds like you've you've been tackling that for a long time, and you're actually at a very mature spot compared to a lot of other places of groups or a lot of other software that are at a kind of still in the early adopter or stage even. I think the way, the way developers of machine learning solutions for, um, 
for various engineering applications, uh, you know, need to look at it is, is, you know, beyond that, like I was saying, beyond the speed attribute, looking at how do, how do we get brute force level accuracy? Uh, how do we give visibility to the designers such that they can verify that the results are accurate? How do we make the user experience such that they, that the designers don't need to become uh, machine learning experts? You know, those are all uh, things that need to be co-designed with, with the, uh, with the, the, the speed performance boosting uh, in order to get mainstream adoption and get it out of, you know, one or two people using it in an organization to getting it to hundreds of people, thousands of people in a, in an organization using it. Um, I think, uh, I mean, I think the other, the other big thing is as, as there are success stories and companies, uh, you know, start seeing value, being able to, to showcase those kinds of success stories so that other, other uh, companies in the industry can benefit from the, from, from what those companies have, uh, have achieved. I think that's really important. So we have a number of success stories with, with customers. Um, we published one uh, a few months ago with Arm uh, talking about how, how Arm was able to use our uh, verification solutions for, for their designs and, and how it provided a thousand X uh, speed up to their, to their design. So, so having those kind of, yeah, having those kind of examples, I think really, really uh, give credibility to the, to the machine learning solutions and get it out of, yeah, being like a, a science project to being a production solution. So things kind of just snowball once you can start to show some real benefit that works and have a few people who've adopted it, and then you can really take it from there and it just starts to grow unnaturally as people start to trust it at lar- by large, right, group at large. I mean, I think, uh, I think our experience is, um, you know, there, there is growth, but it also takes a lot of, uh, a lot of effort. Uh, so we have a, I mean, we have an applications engineering team that um, works really closely with customers and, you know, user by user to, to make sure that they, they're using the software really well and, and they can see, see, they're able to generate the value from, of the software on their design. So I think, um, you know, with any kind of engineering type software, having a having a really good applications engineering team is is important for for a successful uh, successful rollout of a product. But yeah, I think uh, you know combination of uh, you know excellent algorithms with excellent uh, user interface with an excellent uh, implementation and support team. I think the, that's kind of the recipe for for getting. Uh, getting these kinds of tools out of the market and broadly adopted. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you guys have really invested very heavily in AI and have been for more than a decade now, maybe even close to 20 years. But so I'd really like to wrap things up here by going into a little more detail on just exactly what Salido is doing with AI and ML. Just can you give me the just the, the hard facts here, so to speak? So we have um, we have two product families specifically, uh, Salido Variation Designer and the Salido Characterization Suite that incorporates uh, machine learning algorithms to provide the improved design performance um, in in fewer simulations and brute force. Uh, Salido Variation Designer focuses on variation aware design for for analog type cells, memory cells, standard cell cells where we are able to 
improve the power performance area and yield of the designs by giving more coverage and fewer simulations than brute force. And then the Salido characterization suite uh, focuses specifically on library cells. So standard cell library elements, uh, memory cell library elements, uh, in order to uh, more quickly generate uh, what's called liberty files, which are characterization files of how, how the cells work um, and also provide better quality of those, of those cells. Again, both, uh, both accelerated using machine learning. And we're uh, doing some exciting things uh, that I can't announce right now, but is in our roadmap uh, that's coming out over the next, uh, over the next year or so um, to provide even more uh, benefit to our users. So really excited about uh, not just what we've what we've released and is out in production, but some of the new innovation that our our R and D team is doing that uh, will provide even more benefits to our users. Well, that sounds pretty incredible overall. That you've got a very mature suite of software here that really delves into, but really showcases just how powerful AI and ML can be in the uh, the engineering space and uh, the testing, design, verification, all of that. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's exciting, and I think the other part of it is uh, being inside of Siemens now. Our scope is a lot larger uh, than what we where we were at with as a startup in Salido, where now we see other tools and opportunities to apply machine learning on in other tools within uh, within the semiconductor space, and then beyond the semiconductor space into uh, digital industry software. Everything that that the other teams within Siemens is doing. There's a lot of opportunity uh, for collaboration that we're, we're really excited about. That's, well, I look forward to hearing more about that at some point, but I think we are just about out of time here. So Amit, thank you for joining me here. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Yes, yeah, it's been great. Thank you very much. Once again, I have been your host, Spencer Kane, and this is the AI Spectrum Podcast. Oh, 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 o